0: Okay, we're learning Dav Chavov, starting from Mishnah, second line down. So remember, we are talking about the last couple of times how sometimes there's suspicions that might, might come up if somebody marries a certain woman. And because a person is always encouraged to make sure that rumors, bad rumors, aren't being said about them, then you shouldn't, marry a woman that you're gonna, people are going to say bad things about. So we had all sorts of examples like that. Uh, you know, we had like a, If a Chacham... Uh, told the woman that her, her, her nether was forbidden and that he couldn't permit it for her and then her husband divorced her afterwards, then it would look pretty. Uh, well, it would look a little bit scary if, if he would marry her. People are gonna say, oh, the only reason he answered her is because he really wanted to marry her the whole time, something like that. Like, so the mission now continues with Kulam, all these cases. <speaking in Hebrew> what if, at the time, the, uh, the man already had a different wife? Now remember, we know Today, after, after the times of the Mishnah, it was made a cherim that you're not supposed to marry two wives. So today we don't marry two women together. Times in the mission, you're allowed to marry two wives. But it wasn't common. It wasn't a regular thing that was done. And certainly if a person's already married, then we're not going to say that he had his wise eyes on another woman and he was doing this all calculated and manipulative in order to get her as a wife. So if, there was, if there, someone already had a wife at the time of the story, and only later did the wife die, Mutaros they are mutter to marry... They are to marry the women that, they, uh, that became divorced. So let's say again, this rabbi said, told a woman that her nether was author and her husband divorced her. So ordinarily you would say the rabbi can't marry her. But if the rabbi was married at the time of the story to a different woman, nobody's going to say, oh, the rabbi who was married was only authoring it in order that he was uh, in the future going to be able to marry this girl. Okay, so therefore there's no, there's no concern. In other case, let's say after, after the, 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 the woman got divorced from her husband, she, she went and married somebody else. Um, then, so there's a nice break between the story of him assuring the Nader and when he potentially wants to marry her because she went and married somebody else after the story, and then afterwards she was divorced or widowed from the second husband, then they are permitted to be married to the men. Who uh, asked to the to the rabbi who asked her like something like that? So it's only a problem if she goes directly right after her husband divorces her because of her nether, you know, and then she goes directly marries the rabbi who asked her. Okay, that looks pretty bad. But if there's a break in the middle, she married somebody else, and then you know that uh, that's going to alleviate the concern. It's not going to be a big deal. The rumors aren't going to be there. Another halakha of akulam of All these women are much to the sons or the brothers of of the of the men. So meaning the rabbi. The rabbi who answered her neder, he shouldn't marry her. But let's say the rabbi has a son, the rabbi has a brother, then there's no issues. He could have said, you know, maybe the rabbi, the rabbi saw that uh, this girl was a really good girl, and, uh, and, 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 and she, he said, you know what, if I, if I asked her on the neder, then my son will be able to marry her. You know, maybe you could say that. But we're not concerned. It's only, only going to be a bad rumor if the rabbi himself, who answered her the nadir would marry her. But if it's going to be for the relative of the rabbi, then we don't have such a concern. All right. So one of the cases that Mishnah spoke about with the Heter was that, um, was that they were married. If the rabbi was married at the time of the story and then their wife died later, then they could marry the woman that they, you know, asked for the nether two. So the Gemara says, Metsu is, is Garshu low. The implication is only if the wife died um, that, that, that the husband can now marry the woman that they helped get divorced, but not if his wife was divorced. Why not? Because if he divorced his wife and now he wants to marry this other woman, people will say bad things. Think about it. Right? He, uh, the rabbi offered the nether other woman and he was married to a woman at the time, but he divorced her and now picks up this girl that he offered in the nether. So then people will say, yeah, that's exactly what happened. The rabbi set his eyes on the other girl and that's why he offered her Nether. But he was already he was married to a different woman. So he divorced that woman and he picked up the girl that he offered. That's exactly what he was going on. So if his current wife drops dead suddenly, right, there was an accident and she dies. So you can't say that the Rabbi was thinking, oh, maybe my wife will die and then I'll go marry the other woman. Eh, who's gonna think such a thing? But if he divorced her, then there is gonna be a rumor. That's what you would take away from the Mishnah. So it's not just enough that he was married, it's that he was married and then his wife died. That's the point says Even if their wife is divorced. So, even if the rabbi divorces his current wife, what's the halacha? He's allowed to marry the woman who's nether he assert because he was currently married at the time of the incident. Ah, he divorced his wife afterwards, it doesn't matter. Just the mere fact that he was married at the time of the story, people are not going to say that he picked up the, 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 the that he had his eyes and set his eyes on the girl who's nether he assert. So, the Gemara explains what, what does it depend on? Lokasha. How da avikatata. One case is there was a fight, you know, there was was already a fight in his marriage before the story. So the, the divorce didn't happen because of the story, right? They were already fighting. The couple had problems. It was very known that there was a fight in between the couple, between the rabbi and his wife, long before some other woman came to him and asked him about her nether. So then you don't say that the, the, the story here is the reason of the divorce. The divorce was just waiting to happen anyway. So therefore the woman, the, the, now the husband could marry the woman that he uh, asked the nether. The case where he can't marry the woman is that there was no fight in the marriage before. So, so, so since there was no fight. Then people are going to say, yeah, he orchestrated the whole thing. There was no fight. It was a beautiful couple. Then suddenly what happens? Uh, so, uh, so some woman came, 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 to, came to him and asked him about her nether. He must have decided, wow, that's a great girl. I really want to marry her. He must have then gone and offered her nether and divorced his wife purposely and went and picked up the girl. Really, really interesting Gemara. What's hard to me, a little bit in the Matthias of the Gemara, is that we're saying since there was a fight before, so we're not saying that the divorce, was the, the divorce wasn't caused by the story, then it's mother. But why don't you look at it the other way? If they were already fighting, maybe he already had planned to divorce her. You know, in other words, if the rabbi was free, if the rabbi wasn't married at all, then clearly what's the halacha? He cannot marry the woman who is the hiyas'ed, right? That's the din of the Mishnah. But we're saying if he's currently married, he could, but we're, we're explaining in a case where he divorced a woman, his, he'd been fighting with his wife for years. The divorce was bound to happen. So then it's okay. Why is that okay? Fakir, you should look like he knew he was going to divorce her anyway. So when the story came, maybe he, he thought about marrying the girl. But the Gemara doesn't say it that way. The Gemara is only, only concerned if there was Fakir, there was no fighting with his current wife. Then we're nervous that when another girl came, he ossered her nether. And then dafka because of that, went and divorced his current wife in order to marry the other girl. So it's all about the manipulation and what a person would orchestrate. It's like a fascinating, uh, fascinating way of getting into the psyche here of the rabbi ossering the woman and her nether the answer, Both cases that there was no fight in the marriage before the story. One case is where he began the fight, right? So since he's the cause of the divorce, right, the husband did something to just aggravate his wife. He's clearly the bad guy in the relationship. So if he's the bad guy in the relationship, people are going to say, yeah, he did all that because he wanted to go ahead and marry the other woman. The woman who's neither he asked her. How But other cases where the woman began arguing, it was his wife who began arguing, so he wasn't, he's not the cause of the divorce, everybody knows she's got, she was the reason the divorce happened, so to speak, right, and it sounds like from the Gemara, there's like a certain circulation of the rumor that, like, Stom, how to work, like, who, who made the divorce happen? Was it the husband or was it the wife? So if it's the husband, people are going to say, yeah, he orchestrated the divorce because he wanted to marry the girl who's neither he answered, but if she did, and she's the grounds for divorce, nobody's going to say that. All right, so a little bit complicated, but the bottom line is, what do we have after all is said and done? You're not supposed to marry a woman who's neither you ossered because people are going to say that uh, you, you dafka ossered it because you wanted the husband to divorce her so that you could pick her up. If you were married at the time of the story, so then it's a little bit complicated. If one's wife just died, then for sure you can marry the woman who's neither your ossered. It doesn't look bad. If, if you divorced her, then it could be complicated. It could be, it depends if there was a fight before. It could depend who, co- who caused the divorce, who, who started the fight, so on and so forth. Says the Mishnah of Akul and And then it said, if any of the widows go and they marry other people after the story, right? So the woman didn't go directly to marry the rabbi. She married somebody else first, and then she was divorced or widowed, and then she can marry the rabbi. Okay. So our Mishnah, Mismadaya Kasalka In the Gemara says, we originally think, Misa, Misa. The case is the case of death, is also said with the case of death. Meaning, while one of the cases before that we mentioned in the Mishnah, besides for the rabbi, Osirang on the night there, another case was. A witness who testifies about the death of a woman's husband. Remember that one. If an eichachad says that a, a person who oversees died, so the woman's allowed to remarry, but she should have married the witness because it's going to look bad. People are going to say the witness fabricated the testimony because he wanted to marry the girl. So it's even going back on that case. So she didn't marry him. Instead, she married somebody else. Then that husband died as well. So now she's a widowed a second time. Now she could marry the original witness who said her first husband dead. That, that would be like Misa, Misa. And the the and the din of divorce could even be going on the case of divorce. Meaning, the halacha is, like remember we had yesterday, if somebody brings a get. Um, and says, so the woman is assumed that it's a good get, but he, she shouldn't marry that witness because we, people are going to say he testified falsely just to marry her. But if she went ahead and married somebody else and then she got divorced from her second husband, then she could go and marry the original, the original um, witness. So basically we're saying that we think the case of death is going on the case of death and the case of divorce is going on in divorce. Our messenger says if she went and got married to somebody else and, she, and then that second husband died or divorced her, then she can go and marry the original person. So we think the case of death could go on the case of death. In the case of law and testifying that her husband died. In the case of divorce, could go on the case of divorce. Um, you could line them up. So Frank Gemara, Alima our not like Rabbi. We have a fascinating long We're gonna see in the that when there's a pattern of a woman who marries husbands and the husbands die, no one's allowed to marry her. If there's a pattern, if there's a chazaka that's established, if you marry, marry whoever, don't marry this woman, whoever marries her, job's dead, then it actually becomes legally forbidden to marry her. It's called a katlanis. It's the principle of chazaka. Rebbe's opinion is that chazaka comes even after two times. So that means, what does that mean practically? If a woman marries somebody and he dies and then she marries somebody else and he dies, what's the halacha? She can never get married. That's the halacha. According to Rebbe, it's assumed that she's a killer of her husband's. Now, again, it doesn't mean we assume that she, she you know, she murdered them. But the Nakuda is, there's something mazel, there's something ma- mazel about being with this woman that kills her husband's. So according to Rabbi, this whole case in the mission shouldn't make sense. Why? The Misa case, for sure, doesn't make sense. Let's think it through. Why? Let's say one eight said, your husband died. Okay, so she's motivated to go, but not to marry him. So that's one death of her husband she marries somebody else and then he dies that's the second death so the mission then would be saying she at this point she's allowed to go marry her original witness of course the Rebbe, she can't get married at all at this point she had two husbands who died that's it she's done and the same Rashi she adds the same thing with geirish if there's a geirish case where one witness said funny and, and it's an agent and brings her get and then she moves on, and doesn't marry him but she marries somebody else and she's divorced from the second husband how could the mission say she could go to the person her original witness how could that be She's been divorced twice. Once a woman's divorced twice, she can't marry anybody. Now, Rashi throws that in, that there's a den of katlanas on divorce as well. And according to Rebbe, once a woman is divorced twice, she can never get married again, which is wild. Lamaisa, most of you shouldn't disagree with Rashi that there's only a den of on Misa. Okay. Says the Gemara, Lo, Misa, Gei and Misa. you have to flip them. The case of from her second husband dying is only after the case of the first husband with the divorce. With the fun enough. In the case of the second husband giving a divorce is only the case after the first husband was dying. But if there would be the same thing would happen, two deaths or two divorces, then she can't get married again. But if one divorce and one death, that's fine. Says the Gemara, Vekulim, the Name HaAchem. What else do we say? That these women... So they're not supposed to get married to the, to the man that, you know, we're gonna, people would say bad rumors about, but they could get married to their relatives. So the Gemara asks, Why is it different than this bride? So the bride says, Let's say there are rumors that a person is having an affair with a woman. Not marriage. Not a marriage. Some rumors are circulating that a person has a Znuz type of relationship with a woman. Okay? If there are such rumors, not only should, should he not marry her, because it's going to look bad, but it says, He's forbidden to marry her mother, daughter, or sister. Why? What's the var? Because if he marries them, the condition's of good condition. Again, he's not married to this woman at the rumors now. People are just saying, you know, they're having an extra marriage, like Snam, an affair, like Snus. If he's going to marry one of her relatives, we're concerned that his affair will continue, and then it'll be a big problem. Let's say he marries the girl's, this woman's daughter. So now he's married to her daughter. He's going to continue his affair, but now suddenly it's an affair with his wife's mother. So therefore we say there's a din. You're not allowed, Midrach, obviously, you're not allowed to marry the relatives of someone that there's rumors around town that you're having an affair with. That's a very interesting Allah. It's also to marry the relatives of someone that around town it's rumored that you have an affair with. So, the kasha is so too here. Why don't we say that the woman should be also to marry the relatives of the rabbi who freed her, or the relatives of the witness who testified for her? Because people are going to say that they're having an affair, right? That's the whole point. That's why the rabbi asked her, to not do, that's why the a testified. And that's woof why we're saying the person shouldn't marry them to begin with. But it should be also, we're saying by extension, that she shouldn't even marry one of his relatives. Because we're talking concerned that in the, she's going to have a, uh, an affair with this rabbi who, who asked her, or whatever it is. And at that point, Islam is going to be he's just ish. ish. Right? Or a relative or a problem. So why did the Mishnah matter it? The Gemara answers. Women go visit other women. In the case, um, in the saw with the man with the rumor, we're nervous because women go marry women. Ma- women. So it's very, ner- it's very normal, let's say, a man has man a rumor right? that he's with a woman if he would marry her daughter. It's very n- normal for his mother-in-law now to be around all the time. Women go mar- visit women. So therefore, it's going to be too tempting for this guy, he already had an affair with this woman, he's going to continue his affair, and it's going to be totally Osher. That's why it's awesome. But guys don't, guys don't visit other men. So therefore, after her marriage, we're not concerned here in that the woman who married the relative, the one who freed her, it's not likely that she's going to have so much contact with that rabbi who offered her nether, or that, you know, that aide who testified for her. Interesting rule. Guys don't visit guys, girls men visit girls. Interesting. Says the Gemara in Ami differently. Women, when, they, when they, they don't answer their husbands, answer and their wives. So, they're not concerned about them being involved with their husbands. So meaning the bride says nervous that uh, if a man would marry the daughter of someone, he's rumored to have snus, you know why we're nervous that, that, about it? Because the, the daughter's not going to care. And that's a little bit interesting with uh, like the mentality. The daughter's not going to care to share her husband. With with her mother, so to speak, it's not going to bother her so much because there's no there's no ramifications in Allah. No one becomes asar on anybody. If a man sleeps with his mother-in-law, right? There's no din that he's asar on his wife or anything. There's nothing like that. It's just, it's just a sin. That's all it is. So therefore, that's why we're so concerned. The new wife is going to do nothing to prevent it. That's why the bride is a oser, But Gavri, the a- In our case, if another man sleeps with, his, with, another, man's, with another man's wife, what's the Allah? The wife becomes Aser and So Kapta husbands get paranoid about it, right? There's no danger here that his wife is going to be Mizan with one of his relatives, with that rabbi, because the husband's going to be overprotective and make sure that it will never happen, because if it does happen, his wife will become Aser on him. So therefore, he'll make sure that it wouldn't happen if there's never a reason to suspect that the eshesish will happen after, so Avonami should say the same thing with the father. The Mishnah said the permit is to the son or the brother. It said that you know the rabbi who asked for the nether he can't marry her, but the son or the brother could. The implication is the father not. What's the difference between a son, brother, and father? So, the more says kamar. Of course, the father same thing. It's mutar lomivayi. Certainly, the father is mutar. The is The son, the man who freed the woman, is, is intimidated to the father. So there's no way that he would have of with the father's wife or something like that. But, no, but in the case of a son, the father who freed the woman is not, is not so scared of him. I would say that in that case, it's not much to marry the son because there maybe Taka, the father, the rabbi, would have be with her. Kamash and then no, she could marry the son as well. But the Quran is answering for sure, the father would be okay. We're not concerned for something like that, that somebody would sleep with their father's wife. There's more of, you know, of intimidation of such a thing. All right. Back to Yavamas. Let's go. Heavy Yavamas again. Arba Aachen, we quoted this mission once in Davchav Chav Back to Yavamas, here we go. Arba Aachen, four brothers Ruben Shimon, Levin Yehuda, Shane, Mesunushach Hayos, two are married to two sisters Ruven and Shimon, married to two sisters, let's call them Rachon Leah. The two brothers were married, the two sisters die childless. So what's happening? Two women are falling to Yibam, not from the same husband, right? They were married separately. Two sisters, two women are falling to Yibam to two remaining brothers. So Reuben and Shimon are out of the picture, they die. They leave their widows, Rachel and Leah, to two remaining brothers, Levi and Yehuda. They should both do chalitza and not do evil. Why? Why can't Levi marry, I don't know, Leah and Shimon marry, and, and Shimon marry Rachel? What's the shot? The shot is, there's an Isser of Ziku, kaso. You're not allowed to marry the sister of somebody you have Zika to. What's the reason? There are two reasons. We're gonna see it in the Gemara, but we also learned it before. One reason is maybe the zika is called yesh. It's considered like a marriage. Yesh zika, zika is significant. It's treated as if you already have somewhat of a relationship with a woman. So automatically, when you have a zika with a woman to marry your sister, it's like marrying the sister of someone you're married to. So year the, the zika is to both. Two sisters are falling simultaneously from two different uh, husbands. So now there's two zikas crisscrossing to both brothers. And that's a problem because whoever they would, whichever, whichever one they would go marry is Or if you hold EIN Zika, if you hold that Zika's EIN is not treated like marriage, but what's the issue? you might cause a bitl of the mitzvah of Yibam, you might nullify the mitzvah of Yibam, because if you marry one, if your brother dies now, what's going to be with the other sister? She's going to be an Erevah. So better to do chalitza so you don't run the risk of nullifying the mitzvah of Yibam. So the Mishnah advises do chalitza. If they go ahead and don't listen, they both do Yibam, uh, you'll see you, they have to divorce. Fascinating thing, we saw this in the Dalit. once they were also at the time of feel if you don't listen, if you don't listen to, even though these dinam are not to do Yibam, the achos, the the but it causes a din that the women are also so even if they go along and do it, even though at this point the issues have gone away, but we force them to divorce. It's like the ish ach is Omer, Actually, it's a machlokas. Omer Mikay. Bishami says after the fact they can keep their watch if you so Only be says they get they should get divorced. All right, so until now it's very simple. The two sisters falling from two husbands, the zikas are both there. You can't marry the sister of someone you have a zika to. Says the Mishnah, but what happens? what that? It happens to be one of the sisters. Was an Ervah. Pretty cool. So let's say again, Reuben and Shimon married two, two sisters, Rachel and Leah. Now Reuben and Shimon die. Rachel and Leah are falling to Levi and Yehuda. Let's say it happens to be Rachel was Levi's mother-in-law. It happens to be Rachel was Levi's mother-in-law. So he has no Zika to her, right? There's no connection, there's no Yivam. So Rachel's Zika is only to Yehuda. It's only to Yehuda. So then what does that open up? That opens up that it's not Achoz de Kukaso if a Levi. Would want to marry Leah. Again, Rachel here was Levi's mother-in-law as well. So there's no zika to him. If there's no zika to him, it's an erva. So there's no issue if Levi wants to marry Rachel because that wouldn't be the sister of someone he has zika to. He has no zika to his mother-in-law. That's the part of the Mishnah. So it happens to be, it's not time that two sisters are falling. But it happens to be that one of the sisters is an erva to one of the brothers. So then he's muttered to marry her sister, Hashemi. But the other surviving brother call him Yudasher Bishnayim. For him, he has zika to both, he's also to both. Is a mitzvah of Yedasher Kedusha. Let's say it, was, it wasn't something that there's no Zika to at all. It was just an Iser, Mitzvah, 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 We learned that in that there are one undikah or only a plain chavi lavin where there's still a Zika, then then, then the leia the, the other sister, requires Chalitza. Because remember, Iser, Mitzvah, you still have a Zika to, right? You still need Chalitza. So therefore, it would be, to marry the other one, would be the sister of someone you have Zika to. Well, we can make yet another variation. Let's say you got the two sisters falling. Rachel was Levi's mother in law, and Leah was Yehuda's mother in law. Very convenient. You get the two sisters falling. Happens to be each one is an Erevah to one. Right? So Rachel is, a, is, let's say, Levi's mother in law. And Leah is Yehuda's mother-in-law. So that means Rachel only has Zika to Yehuda and Leah only has Zika to Levi. That works out very conveniently because now the one that is mutter to one is also to other one, the one that is also to one is mutter to the other one. So therefore, either one to the one that they're permitted to could either do a or yibam. In that case, Levi and Yehuda could both marry them because they only have Zika to, to, to one of them. So in that case, it would be mutter for each one of them to do yibam to the permitted one. Says the Gemara, what's the whole concept of this Mishnah? Let's get the big picture here. Again, sometimes you see it and you saw it quoted. It's hard to get it. Here we're from really learning a bimakoma, right? The case where two sisters fall um, and they're in the Zika at the same time. You shouldn't marry both. You shouldn't marry either of them. You have to do a halitah. Zag We see from our Mishnah, What does Yezzika Zika again mean? What does that mean? That the Zika is treated like a marriage. And therefore to marry either one would be like marrying your wife's sister. The ain't zika. Zika is not like a marriage. Let's see. And they are coming from two different houses, right? Their widows are two different brothers. So why doesn't Levi take one and Yuda take one? What's the problem? Why is the Mishnah saying that they both need chalitza and they can't be taken in yibum? Says the Gemara. Really, I'll tell you, ain't zika. It's not like marrying your wife's sister. What's the reason they can't do both do yibum? The holds you have to be careful that you don't do anything which is going to cause the mitzvah of yibum to go away. So in our case, if you're going to marry one Yavama, it might cause the mitzvah of Yibam to go away. Why? You're going to do Yibam, but before your brother will have the chance to do he might die. What's that going to happen? What's that going to, if that happens, what will occur? The one Yavama who remains automatically now is your actual wife's sister. So you cause that she's going to be in Erevan, that, that she's not going to be able to have mitzvah of Yibam. You're relying that your brother's going to marry the other sister once you married her. Once you married sister one, What's going to be with sister two? You're relying on your brother. If your brother goes, then she's just going to be an erva. So better for you to do chalitza. Why? Because then even if your brother goes, then it will still just be a drabona, to marry The the sister of somebody who did chalitza to his only a and you'll still do chalitza to the other one. So better to do chalitza than yibam, because you can't even do something that might cause the mitzvah of yibam to go away. What if there were, instead of having two brothers, maybe there were three brothers. You should say the same thing. It's an interesting question, Right? Because you'd have, you'd need two people to die for the mitzvah of Yubam to go away. Because if there's three brothers if bro, who remain, three surviving brothers, instead of having, you know, Levi Yehuda, Yuda call it Levi, Yuda, and Yisachar, so if Levi marries a sister, so he's got Yehuda around, hopefully he'll marry the other sister. Even if Yuda dies, he's got Yisachar, right? So it would only be a problem if two die. Are we if Two will die. Sounds like the Gemara is. That's Mar's point. If you're talking, right, even if there's three brothers, it should be a problem. So Mar says, Lomi Carmina. you're right. It's a Lomi bite. Lomi Plus, It's unnecessary. Oh, I'm sorry. I even said it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Slicha, Slicha. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Now, where there's three surviving brothers, where there are three brothers only from the outset. Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. My bad, guys. That was bad. Reuven, Shimon, and Levi. Why do we have to speak about a case where there's a Yehuda, Bechlau? Just speak about a case where there's a Levi. Just speak about a case where there's a Levi. There's one surviving brother. So he's got two sisters falling to him from his two dead brothers, Ruben and Shimon. And boom, what's the halacha? He's got to do chalitza to both. And now marry, not marry either one, because if he marries one, it's gonna cause the other one to become an Arab, and there won't be middle, and there won't be evil. That would be like the simpler way of dealing with it. Why do we gotta bring in Yehuda at all? That's the like Kumar's question. It's a lomi bite. Lomi bite klatsah. Not only in a case where there's only three brothers, and then now when the two brothers die. The, the two sisters are falling to one person. Of course, he can't take them in Yibam. The v'adai bala is yibim. There, he's for sure causing the end of the mitzvah. If Levi is the only brother, and he's gonna marry one sister, that automatically causes the other one to become an eruv. It's, it's, it's definitely pushing away the Yibam. Of our Ba, if there were four brothers who so now, when two die, two remain, I would say, Hey, there's two brothers. I'll take one, you'll take the other sister. What, I have to be choshish that the brother's going to die before? It's a wild khashash. The Natana tells us that we still are choshish for it. We are choshish for Misa, and that's why when there's two brothers remaining, neither one can marry either sister. Rather, Chalisa is if you're for misa, now this is what I was making mistake with. why do we speak about a case where there's four brothers? Let's bring in the case where there's five brothers: Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yuda, and Yesachar. What should be Reuven and Shimon die? So now the two sisters are left to three brothers. What should the halacha be? The Mishnah only spoke about a case where there's four. What would be if there would be five? Should, would we say Levi can't do Yibam here? If we want to say Levi can't do Yibam, if you hold it in Zico, it would only be why? Because we're chochesh Yehuda and Yesachar would die, leaving the other Yavama as his wife's sister. That would be a Further, we're not concerned. We're not concerned for the death of two. We'll be concerned for the death of one, not for the death of two. So if there's five brothers to die, and now two sisters are falling to three brothers, five minus two is three. So then, we'll tackle allow Levi to do Yibu. We'll tackle allow it. If Ain Zika, will allow it. What's the problem? You're concerned for the Misa of his brothers. Two people aren't going to die. It's very unlikely. Ms. one of the other brothers, will get to the other sister. We'll take care of it. If there's four brothers... Four minus two is two, two sisters are falling to two brothers. There, that's the case where we say that Levi can't do Yibam because there it only has to have one brother die. If it only has to have one brother die, that's where there would be an issue. Gishmak. But what if you hold Yezzika? Yeah? What if you hold Yezzika that the issue here is not that you're causing the Mitzvah Yibun to go away? But that the din is, since you have Zika to two sisters, marrying either one would be marrying the sister of someone you have Zika to, which is also if you hold have Zika, then what would it make a difference if it's five sisters? Five five brothers? No. Okay, so because again, you have to remember where the shakafatari and the gemar is. The Gemara is in the shock of attire if you in the understanding of the mission of the ain Zika. The issue is not that you marrying your wife's sister. The issue is that you might be causing the mitzvah of human to go away because if you marry one, you got, you're only relying now on your other brother to take care of the other sister. But what if he dies? I, X, Y, and Z. How likely is it he's going to die? How likely is it two brothers are going to die? But if you owe the zika, then the understanding of the mission was much simpler. It's not cause the sister. There's an sister in front of you, right? You can't marry the sister of someone you have zika to. So that's why we walk away from the mission. We have two different understandings to the mission. When the two sisters fall to the two brothers, one shot is ye zika. Zika is like Isha. So you can't marry the sister because you can't marry. It's like marrying your wife's sister right now because you have zika to both means you're like married to both someone. So marrying, taking either one in yiva would be marrying your wife's sister. The pshat in zika is that you might be causing the bital mitzvah zibum by marrying one. All right, here we go, guys. Interesting tweak in Yavamis. The case of three sisters who are sisters-in-law. So three sisters are married to three brothers. We got a Reuven, a Shimon, and a Levi who each married a sister, all permitted. Now they all fall. How did that all happen? Three brothers died. All three of the husbands died. That means the three sisters are falling to Yibam, and the cases are falling in front of two brothers. Okay? So, three sisters, in three different homes, three different brothers, are falling to two surviving brothers. What is the Avacha? One surviving brother, let's call him Ruvain, should do chalitza with one of the sisters. Then the other brother, Shimon, should do chalitza with another sister. And now the third sister, literally the middle one. But it means the third sister, she needs chalitza from both surviving brothers. So let's back up here and what in the world is going on. Normally, this is an important thing. Each brother does not have to do chalitza to each widow. right? That's not the way it works. right? Let's just keep it really simple. You have one widow, one yavama falling to two brothers. What's the halacha? One brother goes, he does chalitza, and that's it. He, he, no, the other brothers don't have to do a thing we saw on Dafyud a lambdas. is it shlichas is it not shlichas that was a on Dafyud but definitely the law the concept is one brother does chalitza and then you're good to go our Gemara is introducing here a very interesting concept what's the concept? that here where the three sisters are falling one did chalitza to one and the three sisters are falling to two brothers so now one brother is going to do chalitza to one widow while the other brother will do chalitza to the other widow you're going to have now a third sister here now, that third sister, this is very important, she can't, she can't be taken in Yibam at all. Totally not Noguea to take, to take her in Yibam at this point, for sure. None of this are going to be taken. But by the time it gets to the third sister, she needs Khalitsa from both brothers. That's a hard thing. That's something that's a new concept in Yivamas. There's a Yivama that in order for her Chalitza to work, for her to go free, she's going to need it from both brothers. That's what we've got to figure out here. Why is that like that? And the first, the, the first two sisters didn't, right? The first two, first two just had each got from one brother. But we're saying that the third one is going to need chalitza from both brothers. What's the, what's the Indian here? How, how, how does that work? Okay? So, and then once we understand how that works, why were the first two sisters different? So we got to have a lot of explaining to do. That's the issue. So this, let's see the gemara. Amale Rabbah. First, first, we're going to forget about understanding why it's different than the first two sisters. First, we're just going to focus on the concept. The concept is that both brothers have to do chalitza to the third woman. Why would it be like that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's the svarah? The svarah is, zika. must be that you hold zika as a yesh. Zika is treated strong. Zika is strong. And this is a chalitza psula. What does it mean a chalitza is psula? It's not an ideal, it's not an ideal... Chalitza, why is it not ideal? What is Chalitza's role? This is a very important concept, Chalitza p'suah. Chalitza's role is to get you out of doing Yibam, right? You don't want to do Yibam, you do Chalitza. If anyways Yibam wasn't on the table, it wasn't on the table, call it medir because there was a reason I couldn't marry the girl, then the Chalitza is a deficient Chalitza. It's a weak Chalitza. So in our case, the third girl is certainly a woman that cannot be taken in Yibam for the simplest reason. She is the sister of someone that you did chalitza to. After Reuven and Shema did chalitza to the first two sisters, no matter what you hold, that's posh it now that the third sister can never be married to either brother. Why? It's a sister of someone you did chalitza to. Chazal Asr marrying the sister of someone you did chalitza to. So her chalitza, but she still has Zika, right? That's a drabona, the case. She's marrying the sister of did chalitza to. she still has Zika. Someone's got to do chalitza. But it's a weak chalitza. We have to understand the concept. First get the concept. It's called a chalitza psula. Chalitza ksula, psula means it's, a, it's, an, it's like a deficient chalitza in the sense it's not ideal because Yibam anyways wasn't on the table. What's the din of a weak chalitza? Chalitza psula. If you hold yezika, then a chalitza psula, tzarech lachza akola achin. Every brother has to do it. If you do a good, a strong, ideal chalitza, then one brother does it. It exempts his, brother, his other brother as well. It's fine. One guy did it. That's okay. But if you do a weak chalitza, and that's what's taking care of the Yavama, then every brother has to do it. That's the concept. Now, how do we understand this idea? Let's try to make sure we get the lambdas here. If we hold, and again, the Gemara says, if you do, in order to understand this, you have to hold zika. That's concept one, that zika is strong. And then concept two is that there's something called the chalitza psula, when Yivam anyways wasn't on the table. And if I put the two together, if I hold zika, then the din is chalitza psula has to be done from all the brothers. So, sister number three here certainly is a chalitzah psula. You, they definitely even wasn't on the table for the brothers. It's a sister of someone they did chalitzah to. So, we're saying the din is a chalitzah psula needs it needs eating to be done from every brother. What's the void? How do we understand that? What does it have to do with Yezika? So, Rashi gives us now a whole new dimension in the understanding of yeshika, something that we haven't seen. The, n- the lambdas of Yezzika is not only that it's strong, that it's treated like a marriage, but it's something more. It becomes that the zika is personal. If you hold yesh zika, it's just like, okay, there's a din of yibam supposed to come from the brothers. So it's not easy, so it's easy for it to go away. One brother does, does, does halitza, he takes away the zika from the brothers, boom, the woman goes away. If I hold yesh zika, it gets stronger, it gets more defined. It's as if the woman is married. Married to who? Married to him, married to him, married to him. The zika, like it, it like clicks in. It clicks in on an individual level to each brother. If you will, zika, the woman now is defined as being zokuk, like separately. It's not just zika hovering around the brothers. It's specific. It's chal. She latches onto one brother. She latches onto other brother. And it makes sense because zika is defining it like a marriage. It's not just hovering here. She's married to him. She's married to him. She's married to him. It's yesh zika. Again, it's wild that she's married to multiple people. That's the whole idea of what's so cool about yesh zika even to do brothers. As we discussed, it's a cool concept. So the zika is specific locked in. So when one brother does chalitza, it's amazing that he exempts the other brother. Because your zika is not my, really my zika. It's not just a zika that's collectively hovering around the house. If you will, ye yeah, zika, it's zika to me and it's zika to you and it's zika to you. So if I do a gavala strong and ideal chalitza, so my chalitza that's ideal is strong enough to exempt your zika as well. But if my chalitza is deficient, it's a weak chalitza, because as we've spoken about the concept just now, what's a weak chalitza? Chalitza is some chalitza that wasn't taking away Yibam. Yibam wasn't an option on the table. A weak chalitza doesn't take away your Zika. So if I hold Yezika and I have a case of Chalitza Psula, a Chalitza Psula has to be done, the Chalitza has to come from all the brothers. That would explain why the third sister needs a Chalitza from both brothers. Makes, that makes a lot of sense to the Gemara. The Gemara, I mean, it's a lot for us to handle. New concepts being thrown at us. If Yezika, then a Chalitza Psula is done and needs to be done from all the brothers. But that's the longest. So, Gamar Gemara, though, Iyachi, I can get behind that. But Frank, the Gemara, Iyachi, kamai sanami. So the first two sisters also have a Chalit Tzapsula. Why? Because the first two sisters, were they allowed to do Yibam? No. Why? It's Achoy You can't do Yibam. That means the Chalit that's being done is a Chalit absula. So the same concept. So for the very reason that you're saying that the third sister... Needs chalitza from both because chalitza psula, if you hold the zika, has to be done from all the brothers. Frank, one of the first two sisters is also a chalitza psula because it's an iser for both of them to take a nibum. So it's also a chalitza psula, and you have the same lambda, that a chalitza psula needs to be done from all the brothers. And for the gemara, if the case is that they fell at the same time, in other words, the second and the third. Widow, um, their husbands died before the first one got chalitza, hachanami. You'd be right that they would require chalitza from all. You're right. If they would all be in the field together, then you would ha- they would all be chalitza psula, and the first two sisters also would need from both brothers. But the case was, they fell one after the other, meaning first one brother died. So that was at that point, just one sister's falling in Yibam. The Zika is strong, everything's good, you could, you, she could be taken for Yibam, and right away one brother did chalitza. That chalitza is a chalitza p'sula. No, at that point there's only one sister who's akok, and that chalitza was good, so that exempted the other one. Then what happened? Oh, the Gemara even speaks out. Nafla chalitza ruven. One of the sisters fell, and ruven did chalitza. That was the only widow. Ruven could have taken her in Yibam. That wasn't a chalitza p'sula. That was ideal. So it takes away Shimon Zika. Nafla idach. Then the next sister fell. Right, the second brother went down, and, and now the another sister is falling. So chalitza Shimon. Shimon did chalitza. Ruven did not do chalitza because that for him it would be a Khalitza p'sula. Why? Because it would be the sister of someone he already did chalitza to. So Shimon did it. And Shimon's chalitza was a grave chalitza. Shimon would be allowed to take her in yibum, So that exempts Reuven's chalitza. Reuven's zika. Now when the final sister falls to Ruven and Shimon, each of the brothers already did chalitza to her sister. So now, what is she? She is the sister of someone that they both had done Khalidza to, so it's for sure no good. So it's a deficient Khalidza, it's a Khalidza Absula. So now, the Allah is, lahai, maaf ikasso, lahai, maaf this one has to do with the Dizavah Zika, and this one has to do with the Dizavah Zika. So we're coming out, we're explaining really gishmak. If all the sisters would all have the Zika at the same time, you're right, then both brothers would have to do Khalidza to all three sisters because it's a Khalidza Absula for all of them. Because of Achal Zika, you can't marry all of them. The case is that they fell separately. So at the time that the first one had Zika. Was only she was the only Zika. So Reuven, when he did a chalitza, wasn't a chalitza psula. Then the next one fell. Shimon did a chalitza. Wasn't a chalitza psula. Now that the third one is falling, only her chalitza is a chalitza psula. And then we're kicking in the halacha. A chalitza psula needs a chalitza from all brothers. But again, that's only true if you hold. Yes, Zika. The Zika is strong. And as we explained, it kicks in in an individual way. So then to exempt one brother, to exempt the other, it needs a strong Chalitza. Chalitza Psula cannot one, can, uh, uh, can't, can't exempt the other. So the Gemara now just asks a technical question. Oh, Rav ain't Zika. Whoops. We learned on Dafia Yetzalian that Rav is of the opinion, ain't Zika. So we said this whole shtickle you how to explain Rav's opinion, why the third sister needs Chalitza from both, right? But it all was predicated on that Rav holds Yesh Zika. That's the whole point. Why one why a weak chalitza doesn't exempt someone else's zika. But the problem is, on Davji Zion, Rav was of the opinion, "Ain zikah." Rav said, if the widow, if the, if the the Shomer's Yavim dies, the Yavim is a lot of Mary's mother because Ain zika. So it's a stira about what Rav holds. So the Gemara answer is, You're right. Rav's personal opinion is Ain zika. So there's no issue with Khalid's exempting one, one brother to the next. Rav is saying, if, I don't hold this way, but if you hold yezika, then the Halacha would be that the third sister would require Khalid's from both. Rav's personal opinion is that what? Ain't zika, so it's not an issue. Robert is saying, if you were to hold yezika, then the third sister would need chalitza from both. That's the, uh, that's the basic point.
1: All right, that's what we
0: have here. Um, okay, you know what, let's hold here. We'll stop here with the end of Rav.